Hello and welcome to the Why I Knit podcast. My name is Dr. Mia Hobbs and I'm a clinical psychologist who is passionate about knitting and its benefits for our mental health. Each week on the podcast, I interview a different knitter about why they knit and how it benefits their mental health. This week on the podcast, I'm joined by Ailey of the Thoughtful Knitter YouTube channel. Ailey learned to knit as a child but returned to it more recently as she was unwell and found that this was a way that she was still able to connect with other people. You can find links to Ailey's YouTube channel and Instagram account in the show notes. Hi Ailey, welcome to the podcast. Hi there. I always start with asking where your story with knitting began. Where did yours start? Okay, so it's quite hard to remember. Um, <laughs> I don't actually remember learning how to knit. Um, because I was really tiny Um, I asked my mum recently and she can't really remember either she thinks I was maybe about five and And she taught you did she she also can't remember that (laughs) (laughs) so um, it was a mixture of probably a joint team effort between my mum and my nana who was my dad's mum so she was a prolific knitter all her life Um, so yeah I think it was a mixture of both of them um, so yeah, I started learning when I was tiny. So um, so I started, yeah, I learned when I was really quite small and knitted quite a bit and just crafted, crocheted, all the usual sort of things when you're little. Yeah. Um, my Nana actually, her and some of her friends, um, they were probably all in their 70s. They had a little craft group for um, the girls in the village. Um, because this was back in the 80s so it Mm. was only girls there was no boys okay yeah (laughs) um so that was yeah I really enjoyed it as a child and then just didn't really carry on with it much um and then did you make actual things when you were little do you remember yeah yeah um like I remember making a little decoration for this Christmas tree Mm -hmm. I don't know if I remember this specifically because it carried on for years afterwards like it was on our Christmas tree for years right yeah but um we had three little snowmen so there was one that I did one that my mum did and one that my sister did Mm -hmm. and it was quite funny because I was like a really really tight knitter when I first learned so it was like you know when you can't even get it along the needle yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) so um so mine was tiny and then my mum's was probably the proper size. And mm-hmm. then my sister was a really loose knitter. So oh, really? Yeah. I think so it's much more huge. common to knit really tightly when you first start. I think so, because yeah. you're concentrating so hard, aren't yeah. you? Yeah. So, yeah, I remember knitting that. And I can't really remember other things, probably like scarves for dollies and all that sorts of things. And then as I got older, I think when we were in first or second year at high school we had to learn kind of general crafting skills in home economics so I remember knitting some kind of dolly or something there as well and then it was something that I just kind of dipped in and out of for years so if somebody was having a baby I would knit something yeah so I remember knitting a cardigan when I was about 14 or 15 for um, somebody in the village of a family friend was having a baby so my mum pulled out all her crafting materials and let me crack on um and yeah I didn't really touch it then for years just kind of I think when I was studying um and I was doing the whole I have no money I will make everybody's Christmas presents thing 
and then realize that it costs just as much (laughs) (laughs) yeah and took all your time (laughs) yeah (laughs) so there was definitely a degree of procrastinating going on as well because Uh, it would have been um exam times so I would have been like do that instead um I'm no stranger um, to procrastinating (laughs) (laughs) and yeah so I just kind of dabbled in and out for a lot of years and then I really took it up um in a big way probably about eight or nine years ago Mm -hmm. um I fell ill and ended up at home a huge amount um and just didn't really know what to do with myself and my sister at the time she was working in a facility for school refusers and excluded uh, pupils so high school age um, and she had decided to do a project with them of knitting a blanket for charity mm-hmm. so um, I think it became a bit of a it was more she bit off more than she can chew shall we say okay <laughs> so um, she was getting squares but maybe just one or two squares from each of the kits yes yeah. you know it was taking a long time to get their attention and teach them and things so she whipped out the needles at home and got me to start knitting as well and that kind of set me back off on my knitting Ah. journey so when you told me that your sister or you'd written somewhere I think about your sister giving you some needles I was thinking she was thinking about you she was thinking about her own project and just wanted your help yeah she might have been (laughs) thinking about me too okay yeah yeah, so it was so, kind of slightly coincidental that she just needed a bit of knitting help. And does she yeah, still knit? She does, but very occasionally. She's got uh, young kids. So Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm definitely more of the knitter in the okay. family at the moment. But... So you think it took off because you had the kind of space in your life at that point to, to do some knitting and to get into it? Yeah, I think it was... Yeah, I I needed something to do that wasn't too taxing. Yeah. Um, And yeah, I think it also helped me to feel connected to people who I couldn't probably see physically because Mm. I wasn't well enough. So I started off just knitting presents for people, like knitting hats and scarves, hats and gloves and that sorts of things. Um, And at that point, I wasn't aware of Ravelry or a kind of wider knitting community so um, I was basically going from old books I could find in libraries and we did have a local haberdashery but it didn't have things like pom-pom or anything like that and it It was all just like your kind of traditional kind of patterns exactly Mm. yeah like the leaflets that you get from like Surder and places like that um so yeah most of what I was seeing I'd wouldn't really want to knit for myself other than hats and things so I find it quite hard to find things that inspired me to knit them you know and what at I what mean. point did you so I guess that at some point you like me had this kind of enlightenment when you realized that there were people who were knitting yeah out there yeah, in the world and there were I don't know yeah like magazines and things with yeah patterns you might more be more likely to wear Definitely. Yeah. So um, 
I definitely was of the opinion that I was the only person under 60 who was knitting in the okay. entire world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I uh, didn't really tell people about it because I was a bit mortified. Um, but I had signed up for a sewing class um, locally. So there was somebody who was teaching kind of really basic sewing and it was making your own tote bag. And I think not long before that, I'd seen something in the local newspaper about a knitting festival in Inverness, um, uh, which I'd never heard of. And I had also seen something somewhere about, I think it was quilting retreats or something. So we were just, I mean, it was an eight week course and there was a lot of time for chatting. So mm. the girl who was running it, her mom is big into quilting and she was talking about how she, her mum goes off to different things with her friends and stuff. And I was saying, yeah, it seems to be a really big thing. Like there's retreats for it and everything. Um, and she says, oh, well, there's, oh, I think at that point I'd also mentioned I was a knitter. Yeah. So she said, oh, well, there's a knitting retreat really locally to here. Did you know that? And I was like, uh, no. Mm. <laughs> so she told me about the person who runs it. And then I kind of went and Googled her name and everything and discovered that she had a podcast, which was completely, I would never have dreamt of looking for a podcast about knitting. Um, so she's got an audio podcast and um, found her and found, I think I found a link to her Ravelry page as well. So I think at that point you could go on, but you needed to, you could see certain things on Ravelry, but you need to actually have an account to see everything right so I think I was yeah. possibly aware of Ravelry but never ever joined it because I thought oh I, I don't need another social media thing and yeah. no passwords and so um, I joined basically to find out about this knitting retreat and uh, then I discovered everything else that was on Ravelry <laughs> yeah so yeah found all the amazing patterns found that there were like discussion boards and things um, also obviously found out about this knitting retreat um, and had started listening then to the podcast and started hearing about other podcasts and then that just started the whole thing off. So it was just like a voyage of discovery of the wider world of knitting. Yeah. So it sounds like you did start knitting to feel connected to people and then you became connected to maybe to a whole group of new people. It wasn't just people you knew already. It was a new Definitely. Uh, community of people. Yes, people that I had no idea were out there. Yeah. And you have that instant connection to them because you have a hobby in common and they're the people who get really excited about what wool you're using or what pattern you're working on. or um, And it was just a nice way to not bore my immediate family with. <laughs> <laughs> who maybe didn't get it quite in the yeah. same way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And what do you think, I mean, what did it do for you to discover knitting at that point when you kind of were stuck at home quite a lot because you were unwell? What difference yeah. did it make to have discovered it for you? I think at first, I actually quite resented it at first because it was like the only thing that I could do. Mm -hmm. And I think it was from, like I said earlier, I'm a child of the 80s. Um, it was all Thatcherism and everything and I think home crafts and female type crafts were just looked down on 
and um, the only thing that was kind of encouraged at school was academia and being you know being you know it's power women and power dressing mm. and all the rest of it so um I think at that point because I had my career had been completely derailed I couldn't see any of my friends or family hardly um yeah life was just turned completely upside down and I was finding myself sitting at home and the only thing that I seemed to be able to do was knit and I just didn't value it just thought oh this is you know I'm 90 I may as well be in a a care home okay that's really interesting (laughs) you felt like it was a kind of low value thing to be doing yes Yeah. yeah um but I think then discovering that I could knit for other people and feel that connection um, made a big difference. So I would say it was more of the projects that I was knitting for at that point. Okay. It was like... And did other people value it, do you think? Like yeah. when you gave things, did they yes. get it? I think so, yeah. yeah. Especially like close family because mm. um, a lot, like my sister knitted as a child and mm-hmm. my mum knitted and... So I think anyone who has any kind of making background always appreciates something that's handmade. Yeah, um, I guess they have a concept of how long it might have taken you. <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah, yeah. And yeah, I definitely found even further afield. I mean, there's the odd person who just thinks you're trying to give them a cheap present. But um, I think by and large, most people did mm. really mm. appreciate the time and effort um so yeah I think it was that that was kind of the turning point for me was realizing that I could feel emotionally connected to people without actually being able to see them or even speak to them because at that point I could I couldn't even hold a conversation for half an hour without being completely exhausted Mm. um so that was probably the turning point and then finding Ravelry then when it started becoming oh all these lovely things that I can make and yeah I think so that was like a spark of excitement for you like about it opened up a new kind of ideas of things you could make and it's empowering as well it's like oh I can make my own wardrobe Mm. and I can make something that fits me and I can make something that I'm going to feel really good in Mm -hmm. because I've made it and I can feel really proud of it and um and somewhere along the line I would say I'm now pretty much 99% a process knitter. Okay I was wondering about whether you found value in the process or whether uh, it's still about the end result for you. No absolutely not. And how do you think that evolution happened? Um I think it was when I became a daily knitter. Mm -hmm. Um so when it when I probably that finding lots of patterns that I wanted to knit always having something on the go and then if I didn't have something if I was between projects I would start to feel a bit not anxious but just a bit like oh oh what am I going to do with myself and oh I need to think of something to cast on and yeah so yeah I became someone who was very monogamous Okay. With my knitting. Yeah. um, Because I'm definitely a finisher. I don't like having things hanging over me. Okay. Um, But gradually with time, I've become far more likely to have lots of projects on the go Mm -hmm. to fulfill different needs. So I'll have 
if I want to be knitting lace, I'll have a lace project on the go. If I want something really easy, I'll just have like a stocking stitch thing on the go. Um, if I want a quick result, I'll knit a hat or a baby knit or something. Um, so yes, it's just knowing what you need each day. Yeah. So now you've got more of a range of things to cover yeah. different requirements. Yeah. Yes. Definitely. Okay. But it sounds like it is still really important to you to finish stuff. Yes. So yeah, yeah I can't have too many. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Yeah. So I do still either. I am getting better. Like I do now have a few things on the go that I just think, oh well, they get finished when they get finished. Yeah. Um. But that's been quite a recent thing so up until then um yeah I think if I had more than about four or five on the go I would start to feel a bit like oh it's it weighs on my mind a bit I'm like oh yeah. I need to finish that and yeah I think I would have the same I probably wouldn't have more than maybe three yeah three is my sweet spot I think and I quite <laughs> and I like I don't like them to not be touched for like more than no. a week or so no they're in regular rotation even though sometimes things take me a really long time to yeah. finish yeah and yeah. I think there's the danger I have done this where I've like started a project and maybe it's got to a bit I'm just not quite sure about it and I leave it if I leave it too long it's going to get frogged there's okay. no way it's ever going to get finished. when you say not quite sure is that like not quite sure if you like it or not quite sure yeah. about what you have to do or probably if I like it okay. so, or if the yeah. fit is right if I know that I'm going to have to modify it and I'm not I don't like it enough to do that modification I'm not sure so I leave it and if I leave it too long it's just like well there's no point in even thinking about this now it's inevitable it's getting it's going back into stash yeah <laughs> and how's what's your relationship like with frogging like ripping stuff out doesn't bother me at no. all it used okay. to yeah I used to I used to be I have invested so much time in this and I'm just going to pull it out and it's such a waste of time mm. whereas now I mean I've actually just finished a shawl mm-hmm. and I am probably going to rip the whole thing out okay because I don't think I'm going to use it I enjoyed knitting it but I think I'd rather re-knit the yarn into something else so yeah I'm quite happy to do so mm. and that's because you're a process like yes you, because yeah. you got the process that was what yeah. you needed from the exactly project yeah. okay yeah. and in terms of how it makes you feel when you knit mm-hmm. like what does knitting give you in that sense in terms of for your I don't know mental well-being or I would say it it provides me with comfort so I, I think it's from being around knitters from a really early age. Okay, yeah. Um, I used to always find that if I ended up in like John Lewis or somewhere, um, I would gravitate towards the haberdashery and I would gravitate to the wool. And whether I was actively knitting or not at the time, I just wanted to touch it and be near. So I think there's that comfort. So like an association with kind of comforting memories of childhood? I think so, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's a nice idea. Yeah, so even if I... Say if I'm having a day where I've got like no energy whatsoever and I can't even, my brain is just completely mush and I can't concentrate even on stock and stitch. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll just hand wind a ball of yarn and it's just having that that feel in my hands. So that there's definitely comfort. Um, 
it gives me calm I would mm-hmm. say as well I feel that it's really good for just quieting my mind a bit I've got a really busy mind just is going all the time so um do you think it does that by making you focus on what you're doing or does it do it by kind of a soothing repetitive or could it be either in different circumstances yeah so if I am totally frazzled and totally like exhausted and brain is going 10 to the dozen um I think it's a repetitive action so something like stock and stitch where it's just that repetitive soothing calming you can almost feel yourself just like melting a bit Mm. and just um but if I am less frantic and just maybe had a day and I just need to process it a bit and there's a lot going on say I've been at work or something um a more involved pattern is really good because it takes my mind away from what's been going on so I'm not like rehashing the day um I'm concentrating on the pattern and then it might just gradually process along with the pattern that kind of helps you mull thing like yeah percolate a little bit while your brain is busy doing something else yes yeah yeah Hmm. interesting Um, I found that during covid actually at the start of the pandemic needing something really complicated I think I needed to switch my brain off of yes these big scary things that was everything was full of every conversation you had with every single person or every thing on the news or the radio was about this big scary stuff that we couldn't didn't understand and couldn't do anything about and I needed to have something quite complicated to take my mind off it and give it a break from all of those things definitely yeah I find the same because um I work in healthcare so the first four months of the pandemic were just absolute craziness Mm. and there was just no break from it it was like like you say every conversation every waiting moment was just covid covid what's going to happen yeah and you're also dealing with you're in a workplace where you're dealing with other people who are stressed and maybe showing it in different ways and I'm definitely an empath so I kind of like take it all on board (laughs) so um yeah I found I did a lot of men in the first part of the pandemic a huge amount and I needed like you say like maybe a complicated jumper or cardigan or something um and I think most of them I've either pulled out or have given away because I don't it's not that I didn't like the end product but I didn't need it for that reason I wasn't making it for yeah it was more that you needed to have knitted it (laughs) yes yeah yeah (laughs) <laughs> actually that's true of something I knit I knitted the um scout shawl I don't know if you know that um no, I don't. so it's kind of color work and intarsia it looks like a patchwork oh wow yeah shawl, um that I saw and thought I have to knit that yeah but I don't really wear shawls that much so I don't tend to knit them really for myself I find that you know they kind of fall off as you're moving around or they're yeah. not um as practical as wearing a jumper or a cardigan yeah so I knitted one as a gift because I really wanted to knit it and I needed something complicated. Yeah. And um, what's your relationship now with like the finished things that you've made? Are you keeping many of most of them? Are still gifting lots of them? Yeah, I still gift a lot. Hmm. Um, 
just because I like I like it for me more than for the person who's getting it <laughs> like I love that feeling of thinking about somebody and knitting love into the stitches and things yeah. um so yeah I still do a lot of gift knitting I do knit a lot for myself although I'm getting to the point that I really don't need any more jumpers or cardigans or <laughs> anything really um so yeah I have actually recently de-stashed some of my knits um to raise money for charity because I just thought they're sitting there especially shawls it's like you were saying I have knitted shawls I don't wear them yeah there's absolutely no point in it sitting in a cupboard doing nothing Mm. so I'd rather that it went to someone who's going to love it yeah um and I've had the enjoyment out of knitting it anyway so yeah um is there any we've talked a lot about what you get from knitting is there any other Mm -hmm. things you kind of ways in which you feel like it benefits your mental well-being or things you think yeah that's why it's knitting I've stuck with rather than I don't know another craft that probably Mm. I know many of us have tried lots of different things along the way yeah yeah I suppose uh when I was little I used to do a lot of crochet as well Mm. um and it's I used to like it because it was faster but I really love the knitted fabric Mm. Um, so I think there's a lot of the aesthetic side of it. Like I'm a very visual person, um, and I just love the look of knitted fabrics and all mm. that you can do with it. So there's probably that aspect. There's the fact that it's useful. Yeah. Um, you're knitting something, so it's like you're creating and you're doing artwork, but it's useful. Yeah. Um. I think with the garments, you get that lovely buzz as well, where like you've worn something, you're wearing something you've made, and which just makes you feel great. Yeah. And especially if somebody compliments you on it, and you're just like, oh, actually, I made that myself. Yeah. That was a totally <laughs> um, unexpected thing for me. That how yeah. like that great, fe- like slightly special feeling when you wear something you've made yourself. I hadn't really thought about it ever like that. I just, I feel yeah. like I always had a drive to make things with my hands in one way or another. Mm-hmm. And knitting was a very good outlet for that, I think, because like you said, you're making something you can actually use. Yes. I had a phase of doing some cross-stitch, but I struggled with the fact that you'd spend so many hours on something that ultimately you didn't really know what to do with. Exactly, Yeah. Ailey, I'd love to hear about a significant knitting project for you. Can you think of something that's been a significant knit? Yes. Although I've probably got two. That's fine. That <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> I'm not good at favourites and things. That's fine. When it comes to <laughs> things down. Um, so, yeah, the first one is probably the one that really got me back into knitting back when I was saying that I rediscovered it maybe like nine years ago. Yeah. And that was a a, fre- a good friend of mine from school. His wife was diagnosed with breast cancer. Um, and they live a good five hours away from where I live. Um, and at that point, I was really poorly. So I couldn't like go down in person to see them or mm-hmm. offer any kind of practical support. Um, and I was also hardly working. So I was like very impoverished Mm. (laughs) so um my sister again stepped in and I'd said that I really really wanted to knit a hat for my friend's wife because she was going to be losing all her hair sure 
so but I couldn't really afford the yarn because it's really expensive so what we did is we did a joint venture so I did the knitting and she provided the yarn Mm -hmm. so we had this really lovely um little visit to the yarn shop which at that point was like a big treat for me because I was hardly getting out Mm. but went to the yarn shop and squished all the different yarns and discovered something that was like really soft and lovely it was actually um Debbie Bliss Cash Merino oh yeah baby so yeah it's just really really soft and uh, found a pattern and knitted that so I think that is probably what opened my eyes to being the connection that knitting mm. could provide for me yeah um and feeling like I was doing something to help in some way um so yeah that's probably the first one and the second one is I lost my dad really quite suddenly um about six and a half years ago mm. and at the time I was knitting a little tank top for a baby a friend was having a baby and um I was kind of like about halfway through it, could not touch it afterwards. I was just like, I had to say to my friend, I was like, I'm really sorry. I meant to be giving you this, but I can't finish it. Mm-hmm. It's just like far too many associations. And it okay. was, yeah. couldn't touch it. Um, and it wasn't in fancy yarn. I think it was in like Serger Snuggly or something, you know, yeah. kind of like cheap acrylic type stuff. Um but within the year of my dad dying, my sister actually had her first baby. And so it was probably as he was about to be born, so maybe like nine months later or something after my dad had died, I thought, I am going to finish this. And I think it was just quite a good way to not work through the bereavement because that's ongoing, but um, just to kind of face it a bit and Mm. um pass it on to someone in the family as well because for me it had that you know association yeah um and it also I suppose there's that finishing thing as well it's not just sitting over yet and it's not I wouldn't have had the heart to pull it out I don't think because it would have been like that was happening at the same time as dad died and I don't really want that to be lost as well yeah um so I think that was a good process net for me Mm. like just helping me to feel connected to the family that I had left looking forward to the next generation yeah and kind of passing on a bit of my dad even though it really didn't have much to do with him yeah but But I guess what I was knitting when he was in the hospital and yeah and I guess it stopped didn't it in its tracks when yes. your dad died and that maybe yeah. it, there was something therapeutic about finding a way of carrying on even if it wasn't exactly resolving anything it was a finding a way of you carrying on yeah putting with the living the other yeah yeah, yeah which yeah. ultimately is the place to start I suppose isn't it yeah yeah so I would say those two are quite have been quite significant mm. so that was yeah. for your nephew yes yeah. Top. yeah okay those are lovely and both very like much like you said about connections to other people. Yes. That those yeah. have been really special. Yeah. Ways of yeah. finding connections through knitting. Yeah. Yeah. And it sounds like also helping you to feel like they had to make help you feel like you could do something useful for somebody when there were many ways in which you couldn't. 
Yes, because I'm definitely... Who thinks you would have wanted to. Yes, I'm Mm. definitely one of those. I'm like a helper, fixer. If there's a crisis, I need to be doing something. Yeah. And sometimes that's just not possible. And especially being unwell, that really limits what you can do. Yeah. So I think it is that like feeling of being useful. Mm. And um, I wonder whether that's actually what attracts a lot of health professionals to mm. knitting and crafting. I think is because we are the kind of people who like to be helpful to others. I suppose yeah. that's why we've ended up in the jobs that we've got. Yeah. And yeah. like, yeah, like to be useful. Yeah. And, I think and it's a also... hobby that you can also feel <laughs> like useful in a way that maybe I don't know if your hobby was rock climbing might not feel it exactly. in the same way yeah. yeah I think it's also the fact as a health professional that you don't have anything to show for your work in life like your work in D you come to the end of it you've used your brain to within an inch of its life you've used all your emotional energy but there's nothing physically to show for it mm. and I think with knitting you can see progress yeah it's a kind of tangible yes yeah and it's really accessible as well because I think like as we were saying earlier about different crafts and why certain ones stick and others don't Mm. I think with knitting it's the fact that you can just pick it up so I've tried sewing and different things as well but there's too much set up yeah you like you have to be quite um what's the word intentional about your crafting you have to like set it up pull everything out you need a longer chunk of time I think was just making sewing that you need to because if you only had 20 minutes you wouldn't have even got everything plugged in and set up and and then you'd have to pack it all away again exactly yeah Mm. whereas with knitting you can pick it up you've got five minutes you can do a roll yeah yeah so I think it's that accessibility and physical thing at the end of your work like tangible progress yeah Yeah. and that feeling of accomplishment as well like being good at something I do remember actually when um my friends and I qualified as psychologists having a a moment I think because you've been striving for so long to get Mm -hmm. to the end of having done a doctorate in psychology you always had this very clear path and goal (laughs) and I guess we were kind of achievement junkies (laughs) to get to the end of that path and then you're being spat at the end as a clinical psychologist and then your kind of achievement in inverted commas was whether or not people feel better as a result of having therapy with you which is quite a that doesn't always work like that because you know sometimes that's really hard sadly to um or it takes a really long time or the progress is very slow or real life gets in the way you know um yeah and I do remember thinking oh imagine if you were a cake decorator for weddings like you would have a thing you would have made it would have been a wedding and you could have ticked that off (laughs) in a very (laughs) clear way and I guess knitting does give you that like you start a project like in your case you it could be years afterwards that that person feels the benefit of what of the work you've done with them and they're not going to give you that feedback at that point yeah no you know it can be <laughs> years decades afterwards yeah um yeah and yeah I think um because I am a pharmacist and mm-hmm. I used to work in community pharmacy 
and at least in community pharmacy like 95 percent of your day you had nothing to show for it but um there were those prescription bags <laughs> that was something that you could show for it yeah uh, whereas now I work in GP practice and it is literally just speaking to people and you know there is just no physical mm. tangible link to what you've done at the end of the day I mean you might have made a huge difference but you can't sure. see it yeah, it's hard to yeah. see it yeah and hard yeah. to know yes yeah yeah I wondered about what part creativity plays in it for you because you did mention like the kind of idea about it's a type of art that then becomes a thing that's useful. I, yeah. I wondered about whether that makes a difference. Yeah, I think, I don't really think of myself as arty. Mm-hmm. Um, my mum is very arty. I would say my sister is quite arty. Um, but like, so I think if you said to me, draw a picture of such and such, or draw a picture, I would spend about 95% of my time thinking, what am I going to draw a picture mm-hmm. of? Like trying to come up with the idea. Yeah. Whereas with netting, it's the problem solving. I absolutely love problem solving. Okay. I think that's where a lot of my creativity comes in. Mm-hmm. So um, I really love like fixing mistakes or modifying it so that I know it's going to fit me mm-hmm. or finding. I really enjoy new techniques and shapings and things where mm-hmm. I can see a new way of doing something. Yeah. Um, but I'm also, I would say I'm not particularly arty, but I'm very visual, I'm good at knowing visually, mm. some, you know, something that's visually pleasing. So, um, so colors, do you enjoy like picking colours? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Mm-hmm. And I think that's possibly another reason that I enjoy knitting for others because there's certain colours I wouldn't wear. But I want to knit with. Okay, yeah. So um, if I can knit with it and then give it to someone who does like that colour. Mm. Yeah, so I think there's a lot to do with that kind of finished piece and seeing it in its beauty. And Has it changed what you would and wouldn't wear, like either colour-wise or just uh, garment-wise? Mm, I don't think so. Okay. No, no, like I don't... Um... I think one side of like knitting in the wider um, community is there's a lot of fashion involved in it as well. Like there's always the next pattern come out and coming mm. out and new designs. And um, I do definitely see kind of trends happening where everybody's knitting cropped bodies yeah. and everybody's knitting petite knit patterns and and all these sorts of things. And I I'm not someone who sticks to kind of trends, but I never have been. Um, but yeah, I think, yeah, possibly. I don't know. I I definitely am finding lately that I pick patterns based on the stitches or elements of it and something that I want to work. And then it doesn't necessarily equate to what I want to wear. Mm. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so like I've just finished a test knit that um, I was really, really wanted to do because the stitch pattern looks great. Um. And it's beautiful. Like it's a really lovely finished piece, but I don't know how useful it's going to be. And okay. I am actually considering pulling it out and using okay. the yarn for something else. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I don't know if it has changed. Well okay. Yet. Sure. Because I think yeah. for me, it probably has a bit. Like in terms of like this sweater actually is mm-hmm. yellow that I'm wearing now that I wouldn't have worn yellow previously. But I think as 
a knitter or like I had this kind of desire to knit with yellow <laughs> and then because I loved it then I loved wearing it if you see well, what do I mean. Well you know actually you're right yes yeah because there are pe- there are colours I knit with that I would never have picked up in a shop mm. and I do wear them so I think yeah I think there has been that kind of and like, like you say so like this summer I just had a real desire to knit with rust colours mm. so that the test knit that I've done um, I had this idea that I wanted to wear rust and I wanted to wear it like right as soon as I'd finished it but it's mm. too warm <laughs> so I mean it's going to be perfect in the winter but I want to wear it now yeah <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah so I think yeah I probably would never have worn orange mm. yeah before, so, yeah orange yeah. wouldn't have been a colour I no. would have worn but I would now if I'd knitted it and it was the kind yes. of right yeah. shade of orange that yeah, I chose. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's interesting. Um, I've started asking a new question mm-hmm. for this season, which is about uh, whether you can tell me about something else other than knitting that you do for your kind of well-being. So I think obviously knitting can't be everything to everyone yeah. and it isn't what we need all of the time. Is there yeah. something else you do? Yeah, I'd say there's probably three things, mm-hmm. maybe four. You don't need to all pick of, just one. <laughs> <laughs> all of which I admittedly have not done much of lately. Okay. Um, I think I have been reaching for knitting because my health has been so poor lately that knitting is the only thing that I feel accomplished in. Mm. So I think I've been doing too much of it, but... <laughs> The other things I think really work for me are firstly being outside, mm. um, regardless of the weather. Okay. Is there anywhere um, specific or any like type of place? Probably coastal okay. areas mainly, yeah. um, but I'm happy to be anywhere. But yeah, I think the kind of, I think it's the the freshness of the air at the sea and also the magnitude of it as well it kind Mm. of puts things into perspective yeah like you feel very insignificant especially if you go out on like a really windy day um you definitely know you're alive yeah you're getting buffeted (laughs) and you can hardly stand upright and um but there's something really invigorating energizing about that Mm. um another one is yoga okay yeah so when I was really really poorly that was like the one thing that helped even Mm. if it was really gentle yoga just like just moving my body a tiny bit just stretching um so that's lovely yeah um third one is related to the first one and that's I like gardening um but as I said the last couple of years it's just overwhelmed me I think I've got quite a big garden okay and it's it's that thing of I suppose it's like housework like you do the weeding and then there's another weed mm. there's no end to it yeah Whereas with with the knitting you can see a finished you know you see your progress yeah it's not it doesn't feel like wasted time in the same way as yeah and I guess I if you leave it for a bit it doesn't change which is yes. not true of God <laughs> yes <laughs> and the fourth one that I've kind of only really discovered over the last year or so is just really healthy eating like not eating rubbish um, yeah. I've always preferred like vegetables and uh, lower sugar and things but I've made a concerted effort over the last year to yeah, I've gone like gluten and dairy free 
Okay. And um, I mean, I don't know if it's, I think it's getting rid of the carbs or, or reducing the carbs. So um, I used to be a bit of a carb junkie. Just, I think because I was so exhausted, I'd be mm. like getting the sugar high to keep me going. Um, so I think just normalizing the blood sugar has made a big difference as well. Mm. Um, so that's that's probably more physical health, but the other ones are definitely well-being. I would yeah, say. Yeah, but I guess it all yeah. adds into it all, that, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's great. Um, I always end with asking, what's the greatest gift that knitting has given you for the rest of your life? That's a tricky one, isn't yeah. it? Um... It doesn't have to be just one, Ailey. <laughs> I'm not strict. <laughs> <laughs> I would struggle to pin it down to one thing. Yeah. Um... I think it is something, having something that meets me where I am. Mm. So there is always something to learn. Mm -hmm. There's always something really easy to do. If you're washed out, you can just wind some yarn. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I think it's that there's something for every occasion. Mm. Like no matter what you're looking for you can if you need a complicated pattern to keep take your mind off something yeah you've got that if you've if you need something really easy you can do some stocking stitch Mm -hmm. um and it's like I said earlier so accessible you can just like pick it up and it's it's not like there's fancy tools that you need it's just like two knitting needles and some yarn yeah so I think it's that just having something that no matter what physical or mental state I'm in it's accessible to me and it meets me and my it meets my needs and that's actually a really important thing probably for all of us to do more of isn't it is to notice where am I at right now (laughs) and what do I need and find the thing for that because I'm not sure that's something naturally we're all that or I'm all that good at or many of us are not all that good at is just kind of noticing where am I at and what do I need now yeah Yeah. Um, and I think trying to transfer that to other parts of your life is definitely more difficult Mm -hmm. (laughs) so like when I think about my work if I you know if it's knitting I'm quite happy to do something that's you know just tiny little bits at a time and I'll eventually get there yeah whereas if it's my work I try and run through it and get it finished all in one go and mm. that sort of thing so I think it's got good lessons to transfer yeah across I feel like the longer I do it the more it does is able to trickle across yeah. a little bit and I think actually yeah. having these conversations has helped me to think more about the ways in which knitting is helpful and what I've gained from it that has spilt over yeah I feel like it's having that reflection time isn't mm. it to really think about it and um and yeah like you see how it then if you really if you notice it in your knitting life you can start to notice it in your daily life as yeah well, different areas because I always yeah. think about that, that in relation to mistakes like that mm-hmm. brilliant knitters make mistakes all the time because yeah knitters make mistakes all the time yeah yeah like it would feel really challenging to say that about you know brilliant pharmacists make mistakes all the time or it yeah. doesn't really work does it it's yeah. tricky or brilliant parents make mistakes all the time maybe that one's slightly easier but you know it's challenging I think isn't it to tolerate yeah. mistakes in other areas That's of our lives definitely I think 
I think you've hit the nail on the head there for like with pharmacy up until about a year or two ago, we could be sent to jail for human error. Like you could be prosecuted for a dispensing error. Um, so there's that like high stress situation that you're yeah. actually in. And I think that's true day. for many health professionals. Yeah. 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 And I think to have something that you can make a mistake and it really doesn't matter is is lovely. Yeah. yeah. And I would say it's kind of like a safe place for making mistakes that yeah. at the end of the day, unless you get the scissors out, you still have what you started with, which is a yes. ball of yarn and two sticks. Yeah, yeah. And it's something actually with thinking about the this retreat we're running on Saturday, um, really thinking about the idea of exactly like you said, kind of meeting yourself where you're at. Yeah. Um, and thinking about what do I need right now? And I don't know how many of us as knitters, once we get really into knitting, think about that when we start a new project. Mm. <laughs> um, I know it's taken me a long time to get to the point where I reflect on that and kind of use yeah. it more deliberately for my mental well-being. I think before I used to go, oh, pretty thing, I'll knit it. Um, and that was the beginning and end of it, really. I definitely identify with that. That's like, especially I think, discovering things like Ravelry and Instagram it's like oh another new pattern and you just want to knit it whereas I would say over the last maybe even just a year um, I have been kind of thinking no actually I want to knit lace yeah or or I need to knit lace yes yeah 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 and I hope I'm hoping yeah that this podcast also helps people just stop and think about what they need from the knitting rather than having to uh finish things that maybe they're not into anymore or um and then fall out of love yeah, with knitting it can become that can't it? it can just be another thing that you have to achieve yeah um and if you're a naturally that a driven type person who wants to achieve then it can just be pressure and I think with gift knitting that can be a thing as well like mm. if you start deciding that you're going to give somebody a Christmas hat every year or something um and then a few years down the line that's not what you need to be doing anymore yeah um it could easily become just like another thing you have to do thank you so much for coming on the podcast daily it's a pleasure to talk to you and hear about your knitting journey um if anyone wants to follow you or hear your um youtube podcast how would they do that yeah so i have a channel on youtube where i yeah. just chat about all my nitty things um, and that kind of came from being in a place i used to run a knitting group and couldn't really do that anymore over the pandemic and then because of ill health so i wanted an outlet that i could just chat about my knitting so i started a, a youtube channel and that is called the thoughtful knitter mm-hmm. And there's also a Instagram account that goes with that that is just at the thoughtful knitter. Yeah. And um, it's got links in the bio and everything there that would take you to my actual personal Instagram account, um, which is where I normally post anything that I am knitting. So that's where you would find me. Lovely. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me. It was lovely. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. If you would like to find out more about my work, you can sign up to the newsletter on my website, which is therapeuticknitting.org. You can also follow me on Instagram at knitting is therapeutic. 
If you've enjoyed the podcast, it would be brilliant if you could leave me a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe because it helps more people to learn about therapeutic benefits of knitting.